You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. I'm going to just roll segue into that. So it's funny because I prepared a message and then this morning I woke up and I, and I saw this article and I was like, you know what? The world has hit an interesting place right now. As you read that title, obviously anybody with common sense knows that if you are a man biologically, you can still impregnate women even if you say you identify as a woman. But we're living in a day and age where he identified as a woman, so he's stuck in a woman's prison, and now there are two inmates that are pregnant, so now they're having to transfer him. Where are they going to transfer him to? We're at the height of stupidity in this nation. We've gotten so dumb, people don't... It's a, but really, at the end of the day, it's a spirit of confusion. That's what it boils down to. It's not just even perversion. It's people are literally confused, which the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. We understand that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom, and there's wisdom. You, you can put that down. And so years ago, seven years ago, when we became pastors here, well, before that, a decade ago, when I went into the full-time ministry myself as a traveling minister, I asked the Lord one time in prayer, uh, looking at everybody I, I'd been raised around and the things I'd witnessed in the ministry, what is it that you've called Kirsten and I to do? What is it you expect from me to do? Because I want to get it right. I want to do what you want me to do, and I can't do everything. Anybody in here ever realize you can't do everything? A lot of people want to be all five-fold ministers at the same time. They want to be every part of the ministry. They want to, you can't do everything. Somewhere along the way, you have to have faith to trust God and faith to trust God's people to do their part too. Amen. Amen. And obviously, when dealing with people, there will be times that you're disappointed, times that you're shocked, times that you're... Abused, and then other times that you're blessed, rewarded, and just in awe of what God does. So I said that to the Lord, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, Caleb, I want you to get my church ready. This was before I was pastoring. I would have been identified as a revivalist or an evangelist, traveling across America, conducting uh, week-long revivals, Sunday morning to Friday night, traveling all day Saturday. We kept that up as much as we could because we didn't even have a home. So we just had to keep going because we had nowhere else to be. You know what I'm saying? When you don't have a home, just keep preaching, right? Like Jesus said, the, you know, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. It was like that for a season. Then I remember when we got faith and believed in a house and we rejoiced for that. It was supernatural. But get the church ready. First thing, we have to be prepared for eternity. This day and age, the church has got to clearly identify and align with the things of heaven. We are not meant to play games or be like the world. We're not meant to even really care what the world has to say about the church in the sense of that's not, you're not our moral compass. We're staying in a day and age, you've got to ask yourself, is the law of the land what is what you consider sin or righteousness? When you look at America and all that is allowed, America's become probably the most perverse society that's ever existed. And so you can't let the world indicate to you what you're doing. As a church, as the child of, child of God, the Bible says, come out from among the unclean things of the world. Separate yourself and consecrate your life unto God. You shouldn't be running around smoking weed and popping every pill that under the sun. And I understand that sometimes you have medical issues. But the goal in life as a believer is not to see how much medication you can acquire. I'm just going to hit it today. It also, and we all go through tough times or from time to time, but we're meant to be disciplined enough to be a blessing to those around us to not always be in lack ourselves. It takes faith. It takes discipline. It takes hard work. Christians should be the ones leading in these areas. Yeah. 
And when I was in Bible college, I put my name on the line to hire a person as a, when I did valet parking cars at Moffitt Cancer Center. And it was a Christian in Bible college, went and wrecked a car and came back and lied about it. And they came to me and they said, you, you said that this person was honest. Here's the video footage of him wrecking the car and he's telling us he didn't do it. What should we do? I said, you should fire the loser. And tell him, you know, and, I, and after that, I stopped doing that. And I've noticed that even in ministry, that ministers don't even give a word. They, they're, they're nervous to give a backing to people because of how many times people fell. Yeah. As a child of God, character should be something that you cherish. Yeah. Man, I want the character of my almighty father. I do not want to play with sin. Are you kidding me? I do not want to be entangled with it. I know that it easily besets us, but I don't want that weight of sin in my life. I don't want to be given to drink. I don't want to be given to drugs. I don't want to watch unclean, unclean things. I don't want to listen to impure things. I shouldn't be sleeping around as a Christian. Definitely shouldn't be dealing with homosexuality. And if you are, break that, that you know, get in the things of God and let heaven reprogram you, the washing of the water of the word in the mind to get you right. You've got to be prepared for eternity because truth be told, no one is promised tomorrow. The day will come. Where every single person under the sound of my voice will stand before the Lord and give an account for your life, period. You can't escape it. You can't give an excuse. Everything you do, and that's where you've got to have the blood of Jesus applied. Shout the blood. The The church needs the blood. Amen. Amen. Without the blood, we can't stand. But with the blood, we can boldly approach the throne. The blood of Jesus is the open doorway to everything in the kingdom of God to wash us, cleanse us, renew us, and set us free in Jesus' name. But we shouldn't be dealing with this. we got churches where the church can't even train people to do the work of the ministry because we're still always dealing with Christians that want to keep their one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You want to get away with hell. Break hell off of your life. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Period. Go for it. Amen. You should decide, I want heaven and not hell. And I want it right here, right now, in my life. Raising up kids. Put a guard in your household. Got people that just, your kids don't need access to the internet at eight years old. You kidding me? All sorts of crap is on there. And I said crap publicly. There is junk on the internet. Watch these things. Put a guard over your household. Put an emphasis on the things of God. Pray in your household. Come on, somebody. Stir up the Spirit of God in your living room. Turn on worship music. Worship the Lord. Lay hands on your kids every nighttime. Pray over them. Speak over their life. Stir up the things of God. you got to be prepared for eternity. This life is but a vapor and it's gone. I don't care if you acquired a million dollars. If you don't know Jesus, that million dollars stays here and you're going to regret everything you did to get it. you got to be ready for eternity. And then also we got to prepare the church for a move of God. What does that look like? I guess from, from day one, we've always had a different approach to, to local church. That this is a training ground for people to be set on fire for the things of God. To bring up the next evangelist, revivalist, pastors, teachers, apostles. To send them loose into this world and, and shake everything up. I mean, that's the, the job of the church is to raise people up in the fullness of the kingdom of God. We've got to be prepared for a move of God. What does that look like? That's where you prep yourself, man. You stay hungry for the things of God. You stay fueled up in the word of heaven. You, you, you create a, within you this desire for more of God. 
uh, a hunger for his presence. I train myself to stir, to stir myself up. I rise in the morning and I bless his name. I go to bed and I bless his name. I, I, I'm prepping for a move of God because we need a move of heaven across this nation. We're believing for a great awakening. What is a great awakening? That's where the power of God gets so evident in a generation, it turns the moral decay around and it starts heading back towards righteousness. We need to turn the pendulum around in Jesus' mighty name. I mean, we, if we keep going down this pathway, where do we wind up? Jesus will return, and I know many people are waiting on that, but until he returns, I've got kids. Right? And so, bless God, we need a move of heaven in this nation, man. It's time to get the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is, heaven, please move across this nation. And that begins in you. Come on, somebody. Revival begins in me and it begins in my household. So what am I doing? Am I on fire? Have I lost the fire? Have I lost the joy? Have I lost the expectation of miraculous things every day? Have I just gotten to where I've just gotten disgruntled and jaded because everywhere you look, it's like the moral decay is so deep and hell's getting away with it. And there's too many people living in that. And you got to break that off and say, no, bless God, as long as there's breath in my lungs, there's a voice in me. I'm going to declare the wondrous works of heaven. I'm going to prepare a generation for the coming of God. But get ready, get ready, get ready, because I'm moving of heaven will shake America one more time. I promise you this, my God will not be mocked. He will be shown to be a wondrous, glorious, powerful God. He will move from the heavens and he will shake this generation with the power of heaven. We're preparing people for a move of God. A while back we did an all night prayer meeting. We need to do another one. My wife's like, Jesus, that's tough. It is tough. But you know what? It builds within you a spiritual fortitude. You need to have spiritual endurance, amen? It's like if you're going to run a marathon, hopefully you don't just show up on the marathon day and say, let's do this thing. <laughs> hopefully you train. The church has got to train. We got to get trained up to press in spiritual matters. I mean, where are the, where are the true intercessors? Everything is built on the power of prayer in the kingdom of God. Where are the intercessors that have a fire within their belly to declare the word of God in this hour? Where are those that are praying night and day for the River Claremont and the family members representing here saying, Lord, cover this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Stirring that up. We got to be prepared for a move of God, but we also got to be prepared for all hell to break loose. I believe, and I believe in the goodness of God. I believe, in, I believe in the blessing of heaven, that he will prosper you in all seasons. I believe even in times of famine, God can increase your resources. But I also recognize and know there is a plan to break the back of the American people financially to cause food shortages, lack to be widespread, and everybody in here can say, I love Jesus, but wait till you haven't eaten two weeks. So you got to be prepared for that. Do you have faith to stand in tough times? Can you believe God for miraculous provision? Can you sit there? Because I know when, when we came here, we went for like nine months without a salary. Nine months, we had no money coming in from this church. If you've ever gone nine months without money coming in, it starts getting tight fact it doesn't start it begins tight and it stays tight and gets tighter and tighter and tighter until the point you're just laughing because it doesn't even matter anymore come take me away that's actually a relief 
when they called and said I might be getting jail time for, for, this, the, for some of the stuff that was in here, I was like, you know what? At least there's, there's meals every day. There is a bed, and I think a lot of them have a gym I can work out in. This might be a good season of my life to really, really get things in line. When I come out, I'll come out swinging. Amen. <laughs> can you believe the Lord? So in that nine-month period, we had to believe God. I mean, supernaturally, things break. You have to lay hands on your washing machine and say, you don't get to break today. No, you do not. You will find a way. Belt, whatever is broken, work in Jesus' name. Angels, dry our clothes. Amen. I mean, faith comes alive when you don't have another option, and that's the thing. They're trying to remove the options, the church should not let fear in, but stay in faith and say, bless God, you can strip it all away. Our source is heaven. He will supply. There's the River Church in Haiti. There's a, we're in the river network of churches, many different churches across the nations of the world. The River Church in Haiti feeds people every day of their, uh, 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 as a church, and hundreds of people come there. Haiti's always been rough, and they never have enough food, but every day they pray over the food, and every day the food multiplies. So why do you think that we as a church sow in a food ministry? We're preparing because what you reap or what you sow into, you will reap. Amen. Lord, make us ready. If that thing happened, if all hell broke loose in America, if the agenda 2030 came to pass and everything that they want to see, the erosion of the United States, do you have faith to stand on the word of God or will you capitulate and, and turn? And I'm, I'm, I'm challenging people because I remember a distinct dream I had in the year was... 2014, I believe, before I was a pastor, I was preaching in um, upstate Washington, close to Seattle. And while I was there, I went to bed one night and I had this dream that was very vivid and very real. And in the dream, I was on the streets of it looked like an Asian country, whether it was Japan or China, I can't tell the difference. And there was neon lights everywhere. It was a bunch of people. It was a busy scene and all the televisions, I could read them and it said wars and rumors of wars. It was like all over the TV and there was just this chaos around me and suddenly there was tables set up on the streets and people started lining up on these tables and they were walking through the line and I went through the line and I got up close to the table and I heard them ask the questions, do you, do you denounce Christ? Yes. Do you denounce Christianity? Yes. Are you, are you willing to give everything? Yes. And they just signed their lives away for the hope of security during the times of war that are ahead. And one after another, one after another, and then I woke up. And as I woke up, I mean, it shook me. And I heard the Lord say, get ready, because this world is moving into the final season. The Lord said, don't preach about, don't talk about, or prophesy about the next season to come. We are in the last season. And the Lord said, just as in when seasons change, when winter goes to spring, so the things you did in winter, I had to check to make sure I got that right, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Spring does come after winter, right? <laughs> Just as what you did in the winter, the previous season, doesn't carry over into the next season, so will it be in the Spirit. That some of the things the church used to do in, the, in previous seasons will not carry forward, but a new thing will come to pass. I believe that we are in the final hour. Now, whether that season is 100 years, 200 years, or three months, I don't know. But I know this. Get ready because Christ will return with a triumphant shout and a trumpet shout from above. And we are in that number if we do not let our hearts fail us for fear. And as I watched that, then the Lord said to me, this is before I was a pastoring. Right after that, you're in the final season. 
Then the Lord said to me, do not be concerned when you see this person move there and that person move there. Just as in a game of chess, I am assembling the pieces for the final checkmate, which told me that God is not going to go quietly into the night with a generation. He is on the move and people are being brought in from all walks of life and every tribe and tongue. And God is assembling an army in this hour. And let me tell you, when God assembles something, no devil in hell has the power to stop it. The army of the Lord is arising in this hour. You better get ready, hell, because we're coming. And when we come, we're coming with the fire of the Holy Ghost and the power of God on our side. We will not... We will not, we will not let you take this generation. We will not be quiet. We will stand with the power of God in this hour. You can threaten us, but the more you threaten, the bolder we're going to get and tell you we will not capitulate with hell's plan. It's God's plan. It's the best plan. It's my plan in Jesus' name. It's really a teaching that I'm trying to do right now. So let me get right back here. And so I remember years ago, you can help me with this, that we were, we were traveling evangelists and my wife wanted to visit friends of hers in like Mississippi or Louisiana. You remember that? How far out of our way was it? A couple hours, several hours. We visited them in Atlanta? No. It was like Alabama or something. Or Mississippi. It was Mississippi. Anyways. Well, it was several hours out of our way. That's what I remember. My wife's like, I want to visit my friends. And it was like three, four. I said six this morning. So I'm trying to, you know, get her back in here. But I remember being frustrated. Anybody in here had to do something you didn't want to do? Every spouse should raise your hand right now. I love them. But they have a way of having their own opinions. And so we had to drive hours out of our way. And to make matters worse, we got stuck in traffic. And it was a standing still. I mean, for like another hour or two hours, we were literally just stopped on the highway because of an accident. So it added several more hours. So by the time we get to her friends, which I've never met before... I'm not in the best of spirits, you know what I'm saying? It was probably the worst meal they've ever had in their life. Like, hey, so I hear you're doing great things for God. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) We love the Lord too. Great, wonderful. (laughs) What do you see happening? I don't know. Not much for you. I was like really short. And I get in the car and we're finally driving hours later to get home and we have a long drive ahead of us and I'm still stewing mad. And as I got there mad, my wife, she's happy. She's like carefree. I'm like, I'm like boiling, like we are hours delayed. And she's like, that was so great. It's so good to see them. (laughs) And suddenly as I'm frustrated, I had this revelation. I was like, you know what? I'm only angry because I don't care about what she cares about. And my challenge to you is, do you care about what God cares about? Because if you don't care about what heaven cares about, then every time God tries to move in your life, it will be an irritation to you. It will be the inopportune time. Oh, God, you just know. uh." And that's how a lot of us live. Like, yeah, we want God to move, uh, maybe. Do you care about what heaven cares about? 
God has a plan in this hour. If you believe that, say amen. amen. God has a plan. It is a plan to do great things. It is a plan, I believe, to erupt a great awakening across this nation and the nations of the world one more time and turn the tide of wickedness. We're facing a demonic force, no doubt. And the Bible says in Ephesians 1.11, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for He chose us in advance. I'll stop right there. God chose you in advance. What does that mean? Back to the terminology in Jeremiah. Before He formed you in your mother's womb, He knew you. He ordained you. The Bible says that He, he formed you in your womb in Psalms. He listed all of your parts and He made you perfect and entire. The Lord formed you. His hands were laid upon you before anybody even saw you. God laid His hands on you and formed you. He has a plan for your life. Now, many people are born, and some of them don't discover that plan, but I believe that this, is full of, this room is full of people that have said yes to the plan of God on your life. God chose you for such a time as this in advance, and He makes everything work out according to His plan. Say, His plan. His plan. God has a plan. I have a part to play in that plan. And whatever that part is, Father, I thank you that you equip me to get that part done. Amen. And I trust, because I remember a time I was frustrated with God because I said, you know, how will we ever see a great awakening? Because I felt like I was the only one doing things. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm the only one. Woe is me. Like, totally Elijah. I'm the only one that hasn't bowed my knee. And what did the Lord say? He rebuked him and said, there's thousands that haven't bowed their knee. God's army is a big army, and it is in every tribe, every tongue, and every country right now. There is an army. There is something on the move. It is happening. And so God has got parts in place. You're a part of that. You trust that God has everything else covered, and you do your part in Jesus' name. But what is the part? 2 Corinthians 5, 18 says that we have actually all been given a ministry of reconciliation. South ministry. You have been called to minister, which means to serve. You are meant to serve your generation with the message of reconciliation to bring people to an encounter with God. That is what the church exists for, to sharpen and equip you to get the ministry done. It's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. We have a plan. See, a lot of people come to God only wanting God to do something for them. Where along the way does the relationship graduate past he's your sugar daddy to now he is your father and your God that can give you direction and commands and you will obey because the word of God says you are my friends if you do whatsoever I commandeth you to do. Jesus, I'm going to smack it this morning. Woo! Hey, let Pastor Joe go. I listened to his message yesterday. Great job, Pastor Joe. Who enjoyed that last week? So I'm going to smack God's plan. Fulfilling God's plan is the title of my message today. Luke 9, 1 through 2 says that he called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over demons. Say authority over demons. And to cure diseases. Say cure diseases. Then he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. Say preach the kingdom of God. And to heal the sick. The threefold calling of God from day one with the New Testament church is number one, cast out demons. Cast them out. Don't counsel them. Don't pet them. Don't play with them. Don't invite them in. Don't be friends with them. Don't listen to their advice. Don't try and get information from demons. Cast them out of your presence. Everywhere Jesus went, demons cried out. He cast them out. He didn't say, tell me what devil, what, what hell's planning. He just said, get out. 
We're fighting a real spiritual battle. Now, I, before I got saved, the only thing I knew about demons was what Hollywood put out. I watched The Exorcist before I was saved. Pretty creepy stuff. And I watched The Ring, and I was like, Lord, I want to get saved because that's really creepy. <laughs> Stop doing that stuff. But I want to point something out to you. To understand, we are in a spiritual battle. Years ago, in 2016, when, when President Trump was inaugurated, we went as a family to Washington, D.C. for the inauguration day. It was freezing cold. It's January in Washington, D.C. There was many people there. And not the narrative that people put on, because my wife ran up ahead and got into a, 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 a higher clearance, secret service clearance area. She slipped right in, and nobody even noticed her. I tried to go. They stopped me, walked me back to a lesser desirable location. And I was actually in this crowd, a sea of people, a massive amount of people. And I was with a, a, an African-American, a really flamboyant gay person. He was absolutely gay, flamboyantly gay, proud of it. But he was a Trump supporter. And so I only say that to put in perspective that everything, the narrative they try and drive of this side looks like this and this side looks like that. And we're not all in agreement. That's not actually true. That's just the spirit of confusion driven by the enemy to make you think everybody's an enemy. Not everybody's an enemy. There is an enemy. His name is Satan, and our job is to drive him out. Amen. Amen. And so we do do that with the power of what God has given us. But while we were there, we were in line after the inauguration for a dinner where we went. We were just as you sit and eat with different spiritual leaders, or, you know. And um, I'm standing in line. We're all dressed up, and there's at this time, and I'm not trying to be vulgar this morning, but at that time there was people. It was a big thing where they were making vagina hats. Pink hats? Pink hats. I mean, I didn't make the hat, people. That's what they were doing. And they were, they were walking around a fanny, a fanny hat. I don't know. Lord, help us this morning. Amen. I don't know who designed it. I don't know how, anyways. So they're walking around wearing these pink hats. And they got close to me. And when they got close to me, they weren't, they weren't saying anything vulgar or even anything political. They actually changed entirely. And they actually began to graphically, pornographically talk about things they would do to Jesus. It was absolutely the most perverse thing I had ever heard from a mouth. And I actually just sat there. They don't know me. They have never met me. They don't know my name. But the demons in them can recognize the Spirit of God in me. And so then they said, just let sit them loose. I, I feel like looking back, I wish I had just been like, you know, Jesus. <laughs> went right at them. But I just sat there like, wow, this is demonic. You, this generation is facing demonic stuff. It's demonic strongholds. And you've got to realize that even in the sense of we're believing as a church to raise up politicians, we're believing for people from the river to answer the call of God, to go into this world and let the fire of heaven be in them and the anointing of God be upon them to turn this generation back on a political level too. We're believing in business. We're believing to infiltrate society with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. But you're not going to be equipped to do this without God. That's the thing. People are like, man, why is it getting worse? Because you can't hardly find a politician that stays submitted to the church. Right. 
They bounce around. They have no relationship. Relationship is lost in this society to where everybody just looks for opportunity. Don't look for opportunity. Look for community. Get, get, get ingratiated and ingrained in a society on fire for God so that iron sharpens iron and you keep your eyes and your heart right as you move ahead in this hour. But we are dealing with spiritual matters. The church has got to be back at the place where we deal with demonic spirits appropriately. We cast them out. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Years ago, I remember when we, we came here, we'd only been here maybe a two years at this time, maybe five years ago. We got a call. A woman said, look, uh, I, I, I go to this large church in town, one of the larger churches here in Claremont. And she said, I told them what I'm dealing with. It's, it's pretty demonic that there's a spirit that comes in my room at nighttime that is molesting me. And anyways, all these things. And she said, my, my church said that you should just go to the river to deal with it. And so I said, all right, we'll come down here. She didn't go to this church, but I remember meeting with her. It was a couple of us. I mean, she just, I mean, broken, crying out like this thing destroyed her marriage. It's perverting her thoughts. She was so desperate to get set free. And then we called that thing out. The power of God totally delivered that woman right back in this room here. She got laid out. We, we prayed with her, comforted her. I mean, poured the word of God into her. And then she left and she went back to the other church. But we did follow up because a friend of mine knew her personally. And Kate stayed in touch with her for the next several years. The Lord, I mean, never had a recurrent. The Lord totally delivered that woman. But that you think about that, there are large churches that will not do that because we're not that person. Go somewhere else to deal with it. It's messy. Church, you've got to recognize there's demonic things that go on. Perversion, spirits of perversion and, 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 and uh, homosexuality, all of these things. That's demonically rooted. And the more we try as a society to make excuses for it or to just allow it to happen instead of standing in the power and the authority of God and recognizing we have been called to cast these things out and set people free in Jesus' name. God is in the business of changing lives. Amen. Years ago, I was soul winning and I walked up to a woman at a bus stop and all I said to her was hello. Hello is not an offensive word. It's a friendly word. I said, hello. She instantly screamed. She put her ear, fingers in her ears, started screaming and turned and ran and fell down a hill rolling into the woods and took off. I mean, all I said was hello. People are like, Is demon, do demons exist? That's definitely not normal. Who in here has ever, like anybody, anybody ever, hello. Ah! Ah! Like something's off. I'm just going to take a venture, a leap of faith here. You know, and say, that's not normal. And I remember, I, I, I sat there, I was like, and I turned, and it's a bus stop. So there's other people waiting on the bus stop, and they were all looking at me like, what the heck just happened? Where is she going? It's snowing. Like, somebody go get the woman from the woods now. And then I remember after that, then there was a young, young, young girl there, and then a younger boy. They, looked, uh, they were brother and sister. And I walked up to them, and I was like, that was crazy. She was like, yeah, it was. And I said, do you know that God loves you? She instantly started crying. I prayed with this, this, the, the young boy and her. I mean, the Spirit of God, the pastor that was with me, he just started crying. And we're at the bus stop. The presence of God just fills the place. The girl looks at me, and she says, we lost both of our parents a couple months ago in an accident. I am taking care of my brother. She was 18 years old, and her brother was 15. They had nobody else. Nobody. They said, man, we've been in a tough season. Just It's uh, hurt. 
And she said, I'm doing my best, but we're trying to make ends meet. I'm only 18. I'm taking care of him. They had to sell their cars, everything. They're going to the bus stop. And they said, she said, we prayed this morning. Said, God, we could really use encouragement. If you're real, send someone to tell us who you are. And me and the pastor, after that, we took him in the mall. And we're like, we're going to get him this, get him that. You know what I'm saying? Like, buy him whatever you can buy him. Jesus. People have real problems. And the real solution is the kingdom of God. But if the kingdom of God is sitting there ashamed of what we stand for, then, the, then hell will have its agenda carried out. And the original plan, when God sent them out, Jesus sent them out. He said, I've given you power and a dominion or authority over demonic spirits. Cast them out in Jesus' name. The church has got to cast out demons. We're fighting a real spiritual battle. Jesus, Jesus in Matthew 10, 1, summoned his 12 disciples and he gave them power and authority over unclean spirits. What do you think is affecting this society right now? What do you think is going on? Demonic stuff is going on where it is getting to the point of just uncleanness in this society to where you have people that identify as whatever they want to identify going wherever in the world's trying to put this as though it's normal. Do you know that even behind the transgender movement, one of the reasons why they came to pass was because if you identify as a transgender, you can no longer be labeled a sex offender? Did you know that? So in other words, I, if, not, not I, I don't want to use me as an example. Someone, Jesus. <laughs> imagine I, don't imagine I. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> a person could molest a young boy, six-year-old boy, and then say, actual fact, I'm a transgender, and then there are no charges that can be brought about him. Because he identifies as an underage person or whatever the heck they do. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. And it's actually legally being allowed to where they're, they're, they're being expunged from their record. They're transgender. They are what they are. No, they're, they are demonically possessed. There are creepy crawlies up in there. They don't know where they're at. And really, if you could let the church be turned loose and get them free, that person would say thank you. Because they're being tormented day and night. And the church has the power. But the church has got to rise up in this hour and say, Bless God, let the power of heaven be evident in this society once more. And let, the hell, let hell be driven out from our midst in Jesus' name. Anyways, everybody happy this morning? That was point number one. Secondly, he said, heal or cure every disease. The church has got to believe in the supernatural healing power of God. You have to deal with this. You have got to smack this thing inside the head and say, bless God. I don't care if cancer is taken out one. They say one in every three American will have cancer. That statistic will be broken on my household in the name of Jesus. And if it does try and creep into my, your household, you've got to have the faith to say no, 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 no. We call this thing out in Jesus' name. He says, I've given them power to cure all diseases. The church has got to get back to laying on of hands. People not feeling good, walk up in their house and lay hands on them. Amen. People got COVID, walk up in their house and lay hands on them in Jesus' name. You don't even need a glove. Take the glove off in Jesus' name. This hand is full of power. Amen. 
His hand is a hand that believes in the word of God. It's eternal truth. And he's the one that said go. And if he said go and lay hands on the sick, I'm going to obey the king of glory. I'm going to go lay hands on him. And he's going to be the one to do it. He is a healer. And you got to believe this. you got to cultivate this wild faith on the inside of you. To where fear is not even allowed to lay dormant in your life whatsoever. I am not afraid of what is to come. I'm not afraid of what they plan. I'm not afraid. I believe in the divine healing power of God. God said lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now I've laid hands on people. I've seen bones mended. I've seen lumps disappear. I've seen blind eyes see. I've seen rashes be sucked off of a body and totally healed. Fevers broken. But I've also laid hands on people and they died two weeks later. So what do I do? Do I not lay hands on the sick because that one didn't get it? No, my job is still simple. I believe in the healing power of God. I'm going to lay hands on him until Jesus takes me home. I'm going to do it every day, every chance I get. Lay hands on people. Amen. And train yourself this way. Train yourself to have that fiery explosion of faith on the inside. That if a person is sick, before you can even think about it, your hand's extending. And you're laying hands on them. He said, I've given you the power to heal every disease. The power to heal every disease. Why does that matter? Because we were believing for a move of God. Do you know what is happening right now? We have become the most heavily, heavily medicated society that has ever existed. With every pill. It is literally, I'm convinced it's demonic, which is the spirit of pharmacia, like the Bible talks about. Because literally for every pill, they bring six more wicked ones with them. I'll take this pill for blood pressure, but you're going to need this pill for that to counteract that, and you're going to need that pill to counteract that, and you need that one. And then before long, someone's on seven medications. When I became the pastor here, we had to get a key life insurance policy because of the debt. And so I I had to go through the process of a health checkup. They called and interviewed me, and they said, what's your doctor? I said, I don't have a doctor. Well, who do you go to when you're sick? I don't get sick. Well, what medication do you, are you on? You know, who's giving you prescription pills? I said, I don't take any prescription pills. Yeah. I was only, what was up? 32. I was 32. She said, 32, you should be on prescription pills. <laughs> I'm not even making this stuff up. I was like, what? Why? She was like, most people your age are on some type of medication. You should probably go see a doctor. I said, I'm not going to see a doctor. <laughs> so she was like, well, we're going to have to organize a nurse. To come check your vitals then. I was like, well, org- organizer. <laughs> so she showed up here. She comes up there. She starts taking my measurements. And the first thing out of her mouth, she was like, you know what? When they called me and they explained it, she's like, I knew this is a man of God. I believe in the power of God too. I believe in supernatural power. I believe it. I believe that God is. She was a spirit-filled nurse. Come on. Just like the Lord said. The church is not just hiding out in the four walls. We're literally everywhere. Everywhere you want to move, devil, get ready because some spirit-filled nuclear bomb is positioned from heaven right where you want to get away with something. And we're going to say, not today, Satan. It's more than a t-shirt. It's an attitude. Amen. Heal every disease. Isaiah 53, 5. The original prophesied plan of Jesus It says in the Amplified Classic, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and our iniquity. The chastisement of peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed and made whole. Shout healed. Shout made whole. 
That word healed there is Rapha, the same word Jehovah Rapha. He is Jehovah Rapha. Rapha means, number one, it has multiple meanings. It means the healing of a nation. So when it's prophesied by his stripes we are healed, it's going back to the nation that would repent of sin, turn from their wicked ways. He would hear from heaven and he would heal their land. Oh, you didn't get that right there. I'm talking about a move of God that's going to turn the devil on the tide and get him out of this place. We're talking about turning America around with the power of the gospel. Jesus. It's talking about a healing of a nation. God can turn a nation around. You can read history. And there have been some wicked and perverse societies that have gone on where it seemed like it was not going to turn around, but then a great move of God came through the area and revival turns all things around. So shall it be this time in Jesus' mighty name. I'm telling you, get ready, because the more the devil presses, the more you're going to see spiritual victories by, by the kingdom of God in this hour. We're going to see a total upheaval of demonic things going on in this nation. I believe that with every fiber of my being, because I'm on the winning side, and the, what he's telling me is not hunker down. He's telling me be aggressive and take territory. It's the hour. It's a healing of a nation. God can turn a nation around. Secondly, it has to do with the individual healing power of God upon a person's body. Rapha means to heal a person entirely and make them whole. In other words, heal them physically, heal them emotionally. It even goes in the place of driving out anxiety and depression and making a person whole again. Well, that's by his stripes we're made whole. Mental health is what we're dealing with in America. You can call it whatever you want to call it. Bro, if you're identifying as a three-year-old that plays with trains, and you, you, you have problems. And the only one that can get in there to make that right is Jesus. Are you with me? I'm not trying to be rude this morning, but I'm trying to tell you, you're not equipped to turn it around if you're trying to turn it around with natural tools. It's got to be the power of God. It has to be the power of God. It'll drive out depression and anxiety. You don't need another Xanax. You need another dose of the Holy Ghost. Xanax is an empty feeling anyways. I used to be an addict. Are you kidding me? I know the high of cocaine and then the crashing down. Feel like Superman? Feel like death. Feel like Superman? Feel like death. I got full of the Holy Ghost. And let me tell you, I don't feel like death anymore. I wake in the morning glorifying his name. I lay my head on my pillow still shouting his name. I have faith every day that today is going to be a good day in Jesus' name. I feel it in my bones. It's good things, good things in store for my life. I'm not crashing and needing some chemical substance to give me a boost to feel alive. I am alive. I carry life. There's life abundantly that flows from me. Hey! Jesus. We don't need what the world has. You can take your pill and you can burn it down. I don't want it. I don't need it. It doesn't heal me. I have a healer. And when he heals, he heals completely. Do you believe that? Say it's mine. It's mine. Jesus. Whew. Trying to stay. It is a teaching. I'm really trying to stay right here. <laughs> the literal healing of a person and healing of distress. Now, why does that matter? Because I'll tell you what. What's going on in America right now? The hell people are being raised in. 
People are, this society is being abused in ways that no other society has ever been abused before. That leaves a, that leaves a mark. Abuse like that leaves emotional scars that, that you can't counsel out. And you can't medicate it away. But God can go where the hand of man cannot go. And he can turn their life around and take a victim and turn them to a victor in Jesus' name. And I believe that. And I've seen it in my life. I've seen people abused that the Lord got in there and turned things around. And now they're walking in a brand new place. If God can do it for them, he can do it for this entire generation if we would just preach the gospel. And that's the third, the threefold calling. Cast out demons, heal the sick, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Who's supposed to preach the gospel? You are. We are. The church is. Preach the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the message of love. That God so loved the world, he sent his son. And anybody that believes in that son, anybody that confesses in that son, the power of God is released upon that life. And the old person is passed away and a brand new person is made. And that brand new person, death is broken off of their life. Sin is broken off of their life. Hell is broken off. It's the power of the gospel. It is the most powerful utterance given to man to vocalize. You can preach the gospel and it will bypass the mind and it will go to the heart. We were preaching in a, in, in a homeless shelter where they fed people. Every, the guy said, we've been doing it 17 years and never seen a salvation. Never seen one salvation. But we do it. And they know that God, that we believe in the Lord. And I got up there and they said, would you share? And remember, I got up and I started sharing. And first thing, a guy flipped me off. Another guy started mocking me in the room. But the more I preached of what the Lord had done in my life, your testimony has power. And I was like, but God broke off those shackles and those chains and he set me free and he gave me a brand new lease on life. And the more I shared it, I watched the guy that was mocking me grow silent, then tears streaming down his face. Then I gave an altar call. The guy that flipped me off was the first hand up. The guy that mocked me raised his hand. And before long, they were all running forward. And the guy that ran the, the, the food program was sitting there shocked saying, we've never seen that happen. And you're left with this impression, well, why are you not preaching the gospel? Since when did the church become a humanitarian aid only? Come on, somebody. Since when did the highest calling of the church be to paint a fence? Let's paint a fence. Let's mow your yard. You need help. You can do all of that. Paint the fence, mow the yard, but you better tell them about the name. The name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. That at that that name, every knee will bow. And if you want to bow your knee right here, right now, heaven will come in and your life will be transformed. It's the preaching of the gospel that will change this generation. And I'm saying all this to say this. At the river, we believe in this. We, we expect a church. When I started this church and I said to the Lord, I said, God, I don't know how to grow a church. You know what God said to me? He said, Caleb, where do sheep come from? Like the Lord has a way of saying things. You're like... Since what, where, what do you mean sheep? Like we're talking about the church, God. You're bringing up livestock. Yeah, well, what does wheat do to you, God? I mean, we can do this all day. And I was like, sheep produce sheep. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> and the Lord was telling me, you, you want to see the church grow? You got to get the people to preach the gospel. Sheep produce sheep. We're all followers. I'm a sheep too. You know what I'm saying? People say, who's the sheep? I, hopefully all of you. If you're a goat, get out in Jesus' name. <laughs> we'll turn you into a curry. 
Kambama. <laughs> Go curry. Hallelujah. Okay. A sheep is one that follows the voice of the Lord. And the voice of a stranger they will not follow. I follow the Lord. Do you follow the Lord? If you follow the Lord, say amen. amen. I'm following the Lord. Well, if you're following the Lord, then you're going to do what he's told you to do. Which he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That includes your cousin. That includes your neighbor. That includes your workplace. It's like the people that go to work and they're like, man, I found out this person I've worked with 10 years is a Christian. You should have found that out day one. Are you with me? It should have been so evident of you, who you are that people like the nurse. I, I know who you are. Yeah, I know who you are. You're one of those spirit-filled nurses. That's right. Should be in you. The preaching of the gospel. We're actually all supposed to preach the gospel. That's why we have church on the streets. That's why we do training. That's why we send people out. Because we're meant to do something with what God has given us. And I'm not trying to ruin your day and make you feel like you're not doing great things. If you feel that way, shake it off. That's not my intention. My intention is to encourage you. God wants to do great things through you. And you can be a voice of healing, a voice of freedom, and a voice of deliverance to those around you if you'd stick to this plan of heaven. God has a plan, and I want to see that plan come to pass. And every person you share the gospel with is a chance to turn their life around. And on that note, Understand this, the preaching of the gospel, it's like a seed that goes forth. One man sows, one man waters, and another man reaps. So I definitely can tell you, there's times you preach the gospel that it doesn't seem well received, but then there's a fruit that takes place, or growth within the person, that then you, next time you see them, they might be transformed. Uh, years ago, I was, I was preaching, we got sent to Plant City back when I was with the River Tampa, and we led a team to Plant City for like an arts and crafts festival. And it was wrapping up. We got there late because we had our service times mixed or, or, or craft fair times mixed up. So everybody's packing up. So there's a handful of people. I see a guy loading the porta johns and I walk right up to him. And I said, sir, has anyone ever told you that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? The guy looked at me. I don't know this guy at all. Never met him in my life. And he says, is your name Caleb? I said, yes, sir. How did you know that? He said, two years ago in Tampa, you prayed with my wife. You told her that Jesus loved her. She came home. Her life has been totally transformed. My wife has been going to church for the past two years. She quit drinking. She's been serving the Lord. She's been after me to do the same thing, but I just didn't feel ready for it. But he looked at me and he said, but I feel like today God wants to get me. What do you think? I mean, it's a setup from heaven. I'm just there in awe. Number one, why is that so important? Because I don't remember his wife, but she remembered me. Because he said, he said, your name's Caleb. I said, how do you know that? He said, my wife told me two years ago, some blonde-haired, curly-eyed, blue-eyed boy. And at that time, I was a size small, some scrawny little kid. <laughs> prayed with my wife. And he said, the moment I saw you come, I knew you were Caleb. I thought, man, God, you're, you are amazing. God wants to do that in you. He wants to send you in the wildest of places, like the woman at the bus stop, the young, the young 18-year-old girl that cried out, God, if you're real, send someone today. He'll even drive the person that's going to disrupt it right into the woods, screaming. <laughs> that person could have got free too, but hopefully they didn't stay in the woods. <laughs> What's the catch to all this? The catch is you got to stay with God. Mark 3, 3, 13 through 15, he went up on the mountain and he called them those he himself wanted 
They came to him and he pointed 12 that they might be with him. Say, be with him. him. We're supposed to be with him in this hour. The closer I draw to the Lord, the better things will be in my life. And that's the cry of your heart. As I said, we got to prepare people for eternity. We got to prepare them for a move of God. And we got to prepare you for all hell breaking loose simultaneously. The only way you'll be prepared for all of that is to draw near to God. Lord, get in my life. I thank you. I worship you. I, I praise your name. And just cultivating that openness, that desire to know him, to be in his presence, to stir oneself to that degree and say, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. And, and having that, 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 that really that fire, that passion within you to just keep going after God. Pursue him all the days of your life because this life is but a vapor and it's gone. And after that, there's the judgment. But while I'm here, I want to see how well can I know God. Like Paul said, I want to become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Philippians chapter 3. I want to forget the past and I want to draw near to him to see how, how, how much I can know of God while still here on this body. John 15, 4 through 5. Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, but without me you can do nothing. Without Christ in your life, you're like a power tool with no power, not plugged in. You're like a chainsaw with no gasoline. You look the part, but you're not doing the part. And that's what many people allow their Christianity to be. Please, let it be more than that. Be an empowered believer that makes a difference day in and day out. Join in on things here. Sharpen what's going on. Get trained up to be a soul winner and then become a soul winner every day of your life. Someone says, how difficult is it? It goes back to the story of cursing. Some people just don't share the gospel because they just don't care about what God cares about. If you let God break your heart for people and you start looking and seeing what's going on around you, that that compassion will be what drives you. And then it will not be a labor of, of, of I have to do it. It will be a labor of love where you find yourself doing it and caring. And that changes people's lives. Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.